0: Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Finding Our Way. Uh, We are here today in the middle of a month for many of us in church work that is kind of August Recruitment. Uh with not just uh Southridge's worship pastor, but actually the person who helps produce this podcast. So uh Justin Bricks, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to editing out all the mistakes that I might make (laughs) in the next You're living on both sides of this episode. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's great. How have things been going in your world? Yeah, things are things are great. I mean, for the last Um,
0: I mean, today we're recording this on a Sunday and it's uh, my second time leading worship live uh, in the last uh, 18 months or so. And so that's been, that's been good. It's been a lot to coordinate kind of getting teams back together and ironing out all the, all the, all the bugs in the system. But it's been, it's been so great to
1: be together so far. As we're slowly coming out of this pandemic, like how's your family doing? Talk to us about that for a minute.
0: Yeah, the fam- family is good. Uh, I-, I would say that um, there's, there's a little bit of uh, uncertainty in our household these days. You know, I have a, I have a three-year-old who is uh, prepping for school in the fall, and we're just starting to, you know, try and um, imagine what that's going to be like. And we actually, uh, just last week, we just moved. So there's been a lot of transition in our household over the last uh, couple months, and, and it doesn't seem like that's going to be over uh,
1: anytime soon. Um, just as we figure out what reemerging looks like, have you been able to enjoy a summer at all? I know that you're part of our inspiration ministry team, the team that oversees our Sunday services, and you know everyone else kind of gets in "quote unquote" summer mode. And you guys still have services to put on, and not just services to put on, but this year online services. And now, as of July, we started to post watch parties. And now in August, uh, we've started to dip our toe back into the in-person service. So how, how's your summer going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we've
0: been we've been trying to get away a, a couple times. Uh, um, it, it was really helpful kind of as we started with the watch parties in July that, you know, our connection team really uh, kind of took the reins on on spearheading and organizing that. Um, that was really helpful for our team just as we were kind of finishing up uh, the it takes a village series and and starting to look forward to august and and then uh hopefully to september just kind of getting things in order but in 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 amidst all of that all those moving pieces uh yeah we got away a, a couple weekends which was which was really great and and refreshing
1: you mentioned that you've got a three-year-old little wilson and you know as i think about that knowing that for the last year and a half we've navigated a a once in a generation, you know, or if beyond that, uh, pandemic, but that's half of Wilson's life. So Mm -hmm. like, how has the pandemic been for you and your young family?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been hard on, on everyone. Obviously we, we feel, uh, we are really grateful, um, that for a lot of the pandemic, um, you know, daycares were still allowed to operate. So, um, you know, even in terms of, his own socialization and um, just being able to have a regular routine and allow um, myself and my wife, Kaylee, um, we both basically work full time. And so um, that was a huge help for us. But um, I I think that for the last uh, while we were feeling uh, a a bit of anxiety as we were trying to imagine what it was going to be like specifically for, you know, kids as they return to things like, in-person church gatherings and, you know, school and such, but he seems to be integrating well. And so we're, we're thankful for that and uh, kind of just taking it one day at a time uh, at, at the moment.
1: That's great. Um, while you're on the subject of COVID, let's talk about your work world. Cause you know, as we've navigated this pandemic for the past year and a half, until recently we've been primarily, if not exclusively, Online for our worship gatherings. So, for you as a worship pastor, what has that meant? Mm, yeah, yeah. My uh, when, when we switched to online services,
0: uh, like my my uh, job description kind of got flipped on its head a little bit and uh, probably reflected more of like an audio and mixing engineer than it did a pastor, uh, for for a a significant portion of time um so you know we obviously have you know um we we have uh, Mike Nowendorf on staff who kind of takes care of the video and and all that side of production but I was responsible for kind of the audio production and we recorded bands uh whether in person or whether we did that um you know by sending gear and cameras to their houses to, to record themselves and then trying to put all that together and make it sound half decent and uh um yeah, it 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 would it required a lot of adaptability and uh and certainly there were days where it required perseverance too. But um but I'm I'm it's been amazing even just in the last couple weeks as we've been able to do some in person things and feeling like, you know, the parts of me, the kind of more relational uh wiring that I have just to feel like I get to use that side of me and lean into that a little bit more and um, just feeling a little more natural and, um, and kind of what part of what even got me into the type of role that I'm in today.
1: In the time that we've been primarily or exclusively online, is there anything Justin that you've actually liked about our capacity to worship during that season? Mm -hmm. This is a,
0: yeah, I, I love this question. Um, And I think, as I think back, I think that what it's done is, as we've as as we've been gathering in the capacity of like online, most of us are taking it in like you know on our couches in our living rooms. But the thing is, we're actually watching content delivered from those very same spaces, you know. So like yeah, pre COVID, if we're doing something together, if we're inviting people uh, into a spiritual practice. You know, it's happening in an auditorium on a stage, and the lights are dim. And you know, we, there's maybe a pad in the background. It feels like super spiritual, and like, you know, then you go home and you're you're trying to figure out how to connect the experience you had on Sunday with the other six days of the week. Um, and and there's a massive difference between what those two environments feel like. But I think that the opportunity that you know the last 18 months afforded us is that it allowed us to actually. Present that material, invite people into spiritual practices from our kitchen tables and our backyards, and and I think that that did a lot to um, just kind of make it a whole lot more relatable. Uh, took a sense of like mystery, or um, yeah, it, I, I I I I definitely think that that there's a sense in which um, people taking in that content are able to better engage. And, and I think that's going to set us up for, for success moving forward as we, as we explore further what, um, you know, engaging in spiritual practices can look like.
1: That's a very astute comment. I, I, at a personal level, I would really track with that. I know that as a Mm. church, you know, remember back in the pandemic right after Easter of 2020, we pivoted was the word back then, uh, Mm and offered that nine week series called working out our faith home edition where uh, you know, like other church leaders listening, I'm sure you couldn't do anything in your buildings. And so we were just trying to, to stimulate a practice based faith at home and get people Mm -hmm. to experiment with and experience spiritual practices. And to, you know, in your language to try to bring faith into people's homes to a greater degree. Well, you know, in our in our household, our online services, our family took them in in our basement every every mm. Sunday morning, and one of the couches in my basement has typically been my quiet time couch. You know, when people talk about where's your couch, what's your couch time, whatever. Well, my couch is is in our basement, and I remember feeling through the pandemic that hey, this service is really helping hyper spiritualize this space. Yeah, because it always felt like this couch was like this spiritual island unto itself Mm -hmm. and everything really spiritual happened somewhere else. But uh, now even, you know, hopefully we're, we're not taking in online services in our basement anymore, but uh, now even as I'm in my basement, I can feel a little bit of more like, wow, God's really been active here among us uh, to a greater degree than just me isolated uh you know spending time with him a- a- alone in that sense so that's a that's a neat comment and i and i hope that that's true of people especially from southridge who are, are listening that one of the upsides of the online service era uh i know that we're going to have an online service that has some legacy uh hopefully to to provide some accessibility to people who are new to southridge but uh i hope that that you know one of the upsides has been the way that it has spiritualized everyday places that's a mm-hmm. that's a, a great thing to think about
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's great
1: well let's shift gears because uh, you know we are kind of moving forward and, and looking at you know being able to reopen in you know large group in-person gatherings for worship and I know that that excites you it certainly excites me but let's let's begin again kind of at the beginning. Mm. Justin, for review, what is worship? Right, and uh, and how much time do we have to,
0: to yeah, define exactly. it? Yeah.
1: You've got three minutes or less.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at a really basic level, to look at the word worship is the idea of ascribing worth to someone or something. So, uh, you know, we could use it to say, "Give uh, worship is giving God what God is worthy of. Um, you know, I always kind of default to Romans 12, where, Paul says true and proper worship is offering our bodies and lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so, you know, in another translation, um, uh, the message by Eugene Peterson, he talks, he says, he describes this as you're like, you're eating, sleeping, you know, walking around life, just kind of uh, the way that we live our lives as, um, as for God and honoring to God. And so I think that, um, you know, If I was to try and keep it in three minutes, that's kind of some of the, (laughs) that's the, that's the meat of what I want to say is just that it's living in such a way um, that we're honoring God with our, with our life, our words and our actions.
1: In that vein, then how do you understand, because I know this is where things I think get confusing for some people. How do you understand the difference between personal worship and corporate worship that we tend to gather for? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about personal worship, um,
0: you know, worship is kind of a tricky word in itself, just the language of it, because, you know, we've built, you know, the Christian subculture has built an entire industry around the genre of worship music, which refers to a particular style of music. And so we tend to think of it like that. And so even when we talk about personal worship, we're not even necessarily saying, oh, this is just, you know, you being in your car listening to worship music on your own and singing, although it can be that. But I think when we talk about personal worship, where we can be talking about, you know, our devotional life or how we allocate time and resources, how we view things like our jobs and vocations or how we even conduct ourselves in relationships. Like, I think all those things can be acts of worship. Um, And when we refer to corporate worship, you know, we're actually referring to, historically, as the church comes together, we engage in We've engaged over the years with some pretty consistent spiritual practices like reading the Bible and praying and singing together um, because these things have a pretty good track record of helping us draw near to God. And it happens in unique ways when we gather with one another. Um, It's obviously not, we're we're not, uh, you know, limited to doing only those things when we gather together. But, you know, if I'm using the word corporate worship generally, those are the types of things that I may be referring to.
1: I like your emphasis on worship as a way of life, that Eugene Peterson in your living, breathing every day. Mm-hmm. As our worship pastor, so we're going to consider you the authority on worship uh, across Southridge. <laughs> I, I, I want to know, you know what you believe is the key really to a lifestyle of worship, or maybe I'll phrase it a little more concretely. When you think of people who in your mind live really worshipful lives versus Mm. people who maybe miss out on that experience. Like what's the difference? What are, what are the people who live really worshipful lives Mm. doing that would represent the key to a lifestyle of worship? Yeah. I mean, there's a
0: lot of, I feel like there's a lot of things I could say if I was to, you know, keep it brief. I think, I think practice. You know, I don't think that a lifestyle of worship is something that comes easy. Although perhaps there's some of us who are, who are just wired in such a way that, that actually, you know, certain things that we're drawn to, um, you know, worshipful, maybe we love, we actually do love worship music, for example. And, you know, that's something that we love to do anyway. So it's easy for us to engage in that all the time. But if we're viewing worship as a broader definition of, than just, you know, worship music, um, which I think is healthy for us to do. So I think it's just recognizing that it's not something that comes natural. It's kind of against our, the way that we're wired. Um, and, and so I, I think to maybe it, it sounds super unspiritual, but I, I, I believe it makes it more spiritual to, to think of practice or commitment as being integral um, to
1: living a worship worshipful lifestyle. I love that response because I, I I would track with that. Not all people who naturally kind of get emotionally caught up in worship would really live worshipful lives. Mm. But there there is a massive deliberacy and certainly a discipline, shouldn't surprise us as followers, disciples of Jesus. Right. Um you know, there's a discipline in the people that I think of who who exemplify real, real worshipful lives. And so I I, I appreciate you, Mm. you responding in that way. Justin, now you mentioned music, want to dig into that for a moment, because a lot of our corporate worship happens and is facilitated by and through music. And I know that's, that's a lot of what you contribute to, especially on Sundays. Help us understand why that is. Why is music and singing and things like that so important spiritually and to our environments and our hearts of worship? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you just open your Bible
0: and read through it cover to cover, you'd be amazed at the <laughs> at the number of instructions that we have to sing, specifically in the Psalms. You know, it's hard to get one or two chapters uh, before you receive some sort of instruction or invitation to sing worship to God. So I think at the level of like, um, you know, biblical uh, biblical worship involves singing. That's, so, that's something that um, has just always been a part of people's experience of how they express worship to God. Um, but beyond that, I think that, um, you know, if we think about the role of arts in worship, group singing does something that other art forms actually have to work much harder to do. Uh, like really good art has the capacity to draw us together in a common experience. You know, if you imagine seeing a movie or a play, the group of people together, but group singing by its very nature is participatory, right? It can't actually work without the engagement of the people present. Um, And so, you know, when we think about spiritual practices that we can do together as a community, the fact that it invites participation to me, just, um, that gives it like a little bit of a level up on some of the other things that we can choose to do when we gather. Um, But beyond that, it also, it's, I mean, it's, there's been lots of work done on this, that group singing releases chemicals into our brains, like dopamine and oxytocin that do things like deepen trust between groups and encourage acts of altruism in individuals. (laughs) To me, that sounds a lot kind of like love the Lord, your God, and your neighbor as yourself. So I I think there's so many reasons why singing is important, but um, in addition to just that we're biblically invited to, to respond in that way. Um, You know, the actual impact it has on our, on our beings is, is
1: also not to be underestimated. Hmm. Very good comment. And I know, you know, some of us are listening as leaders from other churches and ministries and sometimes get frustrated by this Hmm. because in our day and age, there are almost no examples anymore of, corporate singing that's right and so church becomes this weirdsville mm-hmm. environment that is so you know abnormal it's it's outside of people's comfort zones because it's something that regular people did almost never do mm-hmm. and so i i love how you're encouraging you know, even those of us who are part of a church or part of southridge who would say like we're really not singers or Mm -hmm. artsy musicy people um, to engage with the arts and with music to a greater degree, because you're saying that not just spiritually kind of theologically, but, but practically biologically things happen to us and with us when we do. Yeah. And, and if I may, that's the, the best part
0: of that to me is like, whether we like it or not, like you can, you can, hate the song you're singing, but if you're engaging in group singing with people around you, you're still experiencing the benefit of doing it. Um, and from a spiritual level, I, I might even argue that, you know, engaging in an act of worship that isn't your go-to mode actually probably has a greater uh, impact on you anyways. But the, the fact that that these things happen to us, these positive things are happening to our bodies just by participating, whether
1: we're artsy or not, is, um, I, I just love that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about probably the, the the two examples that are coming to my mind of times where I would participate in group singing. One would be if a, a family or a group of friends were together out for dinner or something and celebrating someone's birthday.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: singing "Happy Birthday" together, like that's that's an uh, albeit kind of crude. That's an example of group singing. Or if I was at a stadium and they encouraged us to sing the national anthem together. Right, right. And, and I'm just thinking as you're talking, like, there is an effect on me and on the people I'm with together in both of those uh, kind of disparate environments, mm. just through the phenomenon of group singing, even in unspiritualized ways, never mind when you factor in the role that God wants to play and the impact that, you know, through the Psalms and so much of the scriptures, uh, collective corporate singing is, is intended to have. That's, that's very profound. Mhm yeah it's beautiful. So shift gears again a little bit because it is August and we're recruiting for the fall ministry season and I know you know with with all of the arts that you seek to leverage and the uh, the practice-based faith you're trying to foster on Sundays and the degree to which music matters in that uh there are opportunities for people with artistic gifts to be involved. So describe for us some of the ways that people from Southridge specifically can be involved in worship ministry these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, we, I mean, probably the most obvious example is, you know, because we've been talking about music so much is, is uh, you know, at each of our locations, we have bands every Sunday. And so, um, you know, anyone who's musically inclined or, uh, you know, plays an instrument of some kind, um you know, that there's obviously all kinds of roles um, that exist within there, like vocalists and bassists and drummers, and the list goes on. Um, but those are just kind of like the front and center roles, and, uh, and there's a whole lot more that goes on behind the scenes um, that is uh, certainly just as important. Um, so, you know, we, we have uh, positions for people to run graphics, you know, the things that are appearing on the screen. Um, the words and videos and all that, we have, uh, you know, we have people who control the lighting, we have people who are running sound and doing kind of uh, the the mixing of things. Um, We and then we also have, you know, our our department also runs a video ministry. So we have, you know, people who are interested in things like editing and wanting to, you know, help shoot videos. Um, More recently, we're we've been building kind of Uh, spiritual practice teams and prayer teams and kind of um, those would be kind of some of the main buckets or categories that uh, that the volunteers a part of our ministry kind of uh, use their gifts um, you know to to help us put
1: together what we do for Sunday mornings. If I'm thinking about participating in one of those ways on Sundays but I don't see myself as like a real pro I'm not a you know, an ace drummer, guitarist, or, mm. uh, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not totally confident in my singing ability or my, my, my tech savviness, but I, but I would like to participate. What kinds of supports would, would someone receive by reaching out to you to, to try to be involved in this?
0: Yeah. Um, we have, we, I'll start off by saying we have people at all different skill levels. So, You know, we don't have, it's not like there's, there's one caliber of person. And if you, if you can't hit that, you can't be involved. That's not, um, that's not the case at all. Uh, And and so it would just be to start out by saying we already have a a diversity on our teams when it comes to that. But um, yeah, we, we provide development and training uh, for all different kinds of levels. Uh, You know, some people come in and they integrate really quickly because Either they've been a part of teams like, like this before or um, you know, they've maybe just, you know, they've maybe they've been a mixing engineer for years professionally, and so you know, that person's not gonna require a lot of attention. But we have other people who kind of come in and they say, you know, I'm I'm interested in this, but um, kind of the person you're you're describing in, in your question and and you know, there's been times where we've you know, provided support of you know, kind of one-on-one coaching, or we invite people. Well, you know, if you're a drummer and you're you're a little nervous, like, why don't you just come out to some practices, and we'll kind of kind of work with them on a on a personal level. But it, it, it's uh, we don't have kind of one way that people get integrated on our team, um, but but rather we we really do our best as much as we can um, to kind of meet people where they're at and uh, and work with them.
1: Um, to the best that we can yeah so if someone was listening you could reach out to Justin directly and Justin would probably follow up with you or a representative leader in one of those areas of ministry from one of our locations would sit down and get to know you and in a very customized kind of a case-by-case way walk with you Mm -hmm. according to your background and comfort level and, and capacity so you know if someone's kind of teetering on the fence here maybe more intimidated i'd want to just open the door wide and invite you in to to serving in these environments that help foster worship uh among us on sundays absolutely yeah we'd love to have you uh, along those lines where where i'd really like to land justin and uh, i know that church leaders listening from outside southridge probably wrestle with this as much as we do i, I just want to talk about your role specifically and the responsibility that you bear for fostering worshipful environments on Sundays. Mm -hmm. You know, people often talk about, oh, that was great worship, or, oh, that was kind of flat worship, or, and I'm I'm sure that frustrates you from time to time. Mm -hmm. What does it take to create a worshipful environment as a large group?
0: Yeah, that's great. When I first started doing this, I used to think it was just like dim lights and emotional indie rock. Um, and although I like both of those things, uh, I I've learned a whole lot more over the years. I, I would say that it it takes, um, on, on our end at like at a, at a planning end, if I think about fostering a, a worshipful environment on a Sunday morning, um, the, you know, the word, the word or phrase that I think of is like barrier free, you know, so the, whether it's eliminating distractions or whether it's making sure we're using like accessible language or diversity in the types of emotional tones that we're setting, just cultural awareness. Like I think there's a lot of things that we can do on a planning level um, to make sure that we're just removing any barriers that people may experience. Um, But then I think at the level of a participant or like a congregant, it would just be, it would be an openness. Um, It would just be uh, coming, not expecting to have things necessarily handed to you, but, but to also come, um, you know, expecting to give give a little bit as well, and so I don't think one of those things is more important than the other. Um, I think that yeah, if if we can work on removing barriers um, and coming open, I think that when those two things uh, collide, then then that creates conditions for you know God to do some really amazing things.
1: If someone's listening and feels like ah, you know, I, I'm. I'm not really much of a worshiper. I don't really get into it. What what would you say to that person?
0: Well, the first thing I would say is like, I get it, (laughs) you know, like I, I, even as someone who's maybe more wired that way, like there's absolutely Sundays. There's even Sundays where I come, not just as a participant, but as someone's leading and, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and feel like I'm not into it. Um, and so, uh, I would just want to say, say, I, I, I totally understand that. Um, But then, but, but then I'd also kind of invite us to, it's kind of, I guess, to play off the answer that I, that I gave to the last question, is just that idea of openness. Um, I think that if we think about our Sunday mornings as, as a potential catalyst for change, like expecting, that God could actually do something, uh, that God could move in such a way that our lives become changed or transformed in really profound ways. Um, I, I think that that, uh, similar to my last answer as well, I, it, it's kind of a two-way street. It's not, it's not something that um, is necessarily just going to happen to us, um, but we often say at the beginning of our, of our services and our hosting uh, over the past 18 months, we've been saying you kind of get out of this thing what you put into it which I think is true to an extent. And so um, on the one hand, I totally get it. And it's okay uh, to admit that there's times where we just don't feel like it. Um, But if we also come in kind of saying, instead of asking like, what's the worst that could happen, kind of what's the best that could happen? Like if we kind of come um, in a posture of, of expectation, I I just think that we open ourselves up um, to experiencing God's power in new and fresh ways.
1: Yeah, I think my answer to 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 hopefully complement that would be it's not about you. Mm. You started at the beginning and said you know worship is ascribing worth to God, mm-hmm. and a worship gathering isn't about what we get out of it; it's about what we give God and what God gets out of it. So yeah. there's a there's a, a, a kind of a rejigging of the sails of our mind that I've seen in people who they wake up earlier on Sundays and they Mm -hmm. prepare their hearts on Sundays and whether they had a late night or whatever, whatever mood they're in or like they, they do what they can in the strength that God provides to get in the zone Mm -hmm. to be able to give God their very best. And I've seen time and time again, when people have brought their best to God, they quote unquote, get out of it way more than someone who's showing up not into it or showing up just to get something out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I think that posture shift is helpful as well to remember what you had described at the very beginning of just fundamentally what worship is, because I think if we remember what worship is, that helps us experience the most of it. And ultimately then God gets the worth that, that he's due. So <laughs> hope that that helps as well. Hey, As we wrap up, if you have any final encouragements or challenges when it comes to fostering a worshipful environment, or maybe even specifically through music and the arts, um, you know, maybe use it as a shot too to envision us to anything different about our worship times this fall.
0: Yeah, I think the easiest thing that we could do as we return to Sundays would be to view it as a chance to just go back to normal. Um, to go back to how things were, you know what feels familiar, what feels comfortable, um, and and I think that when we think ahead to what what our worship gatherings could be like in the fall, um, I would love it if we could all come with a sense of expectation, you know, even we because we haven't been meeting meeting week to week, um, you know even what we're doing now, which feels like not a lot, is so much more than what we've been able to do over the past uh, several months. And so there's kind of this sense of anticipation that like we get to kind of experiment and we kind of get to try new things. And, um, and, and so I'm excited for that, um, but I'm, I would also love to invite, uh, and, and invite people to not think about what we're doing is returning to the same patterns and habits that we were before. Um, but that potentially we're being invited into something new and different, which might be a, a little uncomfortable at first, um, but but which kind of feels like a theme of what we've been talking about. I, I think is going to um, just open us up in new ways uh, to what God can do in and through us.
1: Fantastic! We're excited for that further reopening this fall, and excited to be led in worship across our locations by you and your team. So. Thanks for joining us today, Justin. Really appreciate that. And uh, to those who've been listening, thank you for tracking with us. We look forward to uh, another conversation again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.